it's also, again, that we versus I mentality. Um, a product manager cannot do everything on their own. If you find one, let me know. That would be amazing if they can product manage, design, develop, you know, but do everything, but they cannot. Um, and they often play the role, as I mentioned, this chameleon. They have to sit between so many different disciplines and team members and decision makers, and they really need to have this we mentality. Project A Podcast. Hi, welcome to a new episode of the Project A Podcast. My name is Tamar El Havari. I'm CPO at Project A Ventures. And today we want to talk about an evergreen in product management. And this is going to be about hiring product managers. So today we want to talk about which questions to ask, what we want to get out of that one, and hopefully giving you some kind of good idea and tangible things that helped us to find the right product managers. I have a very special guest with me today, and this is Razika Krishna-Schmidt. She is VP of product at Anyline. She is coming from a social and consumer psychology background. She's been working in user research, product management, project management, technological and digital strategies, and consulting for over 15 years now. Um, she lived also in eight different countries and worked in six international environments from U.S. to Kuala Lumpur to Abu Dhabi to Brussels to London and now in Vienna. And over her last um, couple of years in product management, she um, interviewed probably over 500 product managers in her career. And not about only that one, she's also um, a mom having two kids and loves to travel and exploring new places with her husband. So hi, Razika, welcome to our podcast. Hello, thank you so much for having me and thanks for the introduction. Great to have you here. Before we just like jump into our topic right now, most people probably don't know AnyLine. Can you quickly tell us what AnyLine is? Sure. So our the core of our business is to make data capture simple. So we are experts in mobile text recognition and doing both OCR as well as beyond OCR through mobile devices. And we're essentially a B2B company, but we also have a couple consumer apps out there. Um, one is a keyboard app allowing anybody in their everyday life to be able to scan something very easily through their mobile phone, whether it's a Wi-Fi code or a serial number or a barcode, whatever it might be, um, as well as working with a lot of businesses uh, from PepsiCo to national governments to the UN and um, car manufacturers as well. Yeah, and um, greatly I had the chance in the due diligence um, before we invested into AnyLine to, to see actually the solution. It was super impressive. So um, you probably know that one if you want to read some text on a tire. It's very, very hard to identify and the software did a tremendous job in order to read all this kind of data using uh, machine learning technologies and also running on this device itself, which is like uh, super amazing. And it's kind of like sad sometimes in this kind of B2B field that um, the names of the companies are not so, you know, like publicly accessible, even if they're doing an amazing job and having great, great, great technological solution. Um, Razika, you've been also product manager or CPO in a company that is a little bit more probably famous, if I can say that one. Sure. Right? <laughs> yes. 
So yes, I was a CPO at Spock, um, and who, which is a marketplace, mainly headquartered in Vienna, but also serving many countries in Europe, uh, with a key market being in the UK as well. So I was there for three and a half years and just recently joined AnyLine in February, just a couple months before we went on lockdown, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. So before we jump into the topic itself, I would love to ask you one question. And this is, did you have a moment when you figured out, I'm going to be a product manager? So it's a really good question. I have to admit, I didn't have a aha or a wake up moment where I said, I'm going to be a product manager or I am a product manager. I believe through the course of my career, education, and frankly speaking, even my teenage years um, has led me to this path um, to say, I've, I've, as you explained, I've, I've lived in many different countries. So I've always been fascinated with how different cultural backgrounds or, or age groups process different types of information. So how do people use things from IKEA instructions, catalogs to a lock on a door, all the way to, to a mobile phone. Um, and this is always something that I've been eager to observe and, and learn about. So this, this sort of eagerness about people and how they use things led me very much into user research. So I did, for the first part of my career after university, very much focused on user testing, moderating user interviews, and then working very closely with design and engineering teams to bring that feedback to life. And I'm already kind of describing parts of what a product manager does. Um, yeah, I, I did that for a number of years, got really into digital strategy, uh, UX strategy, client services, uh, project management. And um, in the last decade, a little less than a decade, um, been primarily in the product management space, just trying to bring this feedback to life that we're finding in, in the customer space. Would you be able to explain product manager in a word? Is there something that unites all product managers? Wow. I know it's a hard question. That's a very hard question. <laughs> um, I, I would have to say it, it's sort of a chameleon. That's probably my one word that best describes a product manager. They have to wear so many different hats and they have to adapt to their environment um, not just in the course of their career, but in the course of a day from sitting in a marketing meeting to maybe a C-level meeting to a grooming session with the engineers. I truly, yeah, you know, now that I've said it out loud, I would say chameleon is probably <laughs> the way to describe a product manager. Very cool. Super interesting. Um, all right. For today, um, we want to talk about hiring product managers, as I mentioned already, and I would just like love today to simulate a interview process, let's say fast forward and then deep dive into some of the questions and answers and, and why you're going to ask these questions. Cool. Is it is it okay if we go that path? Sure. Sounds good. I'm excited. All right. So, um, all right. In order to set up the stage here, uh, let's assume I'm a, let's say, medium product manager. I found quite interested in AnyLine and I'm now in the interview with you. Ooh. And before we jump into that one, maybe maybe a couple of words on how you structure the interview, just like to, in order to get a feeling for, for what we said then. 
Sure, sure. So typically I do interviews in three stages. Sometimes I shorten it if I, if I need to, um, but typically three stages. So first round is usually about a 30 to maximum 45 minute call with me. And it's really just to get to know each other better, um, a little bit more than what's on that person's CV. I just really want to hear different things, projects they've worked on, their communication skills, um, these kind of things. So I'm listening to a lot of sort of traits. Um, I'm also explaining to them about me and any line and the team because it's a two-way street. And just because I think the candidate is perfect, they also need to be able to see themselves being a part of our team and our company. That's the first round. And second round usually involves a task. Um, instead of giving something theoretical, which I like, um, I've shifted in the years to a bit more of a tangible task. So usually solving a problem that I'm currently dealing with and probably a project they would be onboarded to when they first start. So really seeing how they tackle it and how they approach it and what questions they ask. Um, that's what I'm looking for in the second round. And there's other people in the room with me when they're sharing the task as well. So maybe another product manager, um, maybe another engineering team member. It could vary, somebody from design perhaps. Um, and the third round, which is really more of a due diligence, if you will, or team fit. But usually I would pull two, three people together and I'm not in this round. Um, and I would want to make an assessment if the rest of the team also agrees that this person would be a good team fit and make sure they could also work with them. Would you hire someone that is not fitting together with the CTO, for example, or like some kind of tech team lead? In this particular role, probably not. No, me neither. Um, all right. So, um, Let's get started. So as you said, you have a um, structure of three types of, let's say, situations where you have the interviewee um, uh, in this um, uh, in the checks. Um, with what questions do you confront them in the first get-to-know session? Okay, so... Maybe you can simulate that, right? You can ask yeah, me questions. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so hi, Tamir. Thank you for joining me for the first round interview. Uh, thank you so much for applying for the job. And then I usually say, I'm Rasika, blah, blah, blah. We'll skip that part. And Tamir, I've read your CV. And um, I'd really be interested in learning a little bit more about some of the key projects you've worked on in your past. And maybe if you can describe some specific projects and uh, especially what you liked about them and, and how you contributed to that project. Super, super interesting question. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not going to answer, oh, okay. answer this one now. <laughs> we, we can do this one in a, in a more extended session. Um, is, is there something specifically that you look for within that question that might not be, you know, like, um, um, I mean, probably you're going to read something out of that one that is not directly to that question. I mean, right? Yeah, absolutely. Get out of that one. <laughs> So the first thing is I'm I'm really looking for them not to regurgitate their CV. I, I've already read it. That's why they're on the call with me. I, I don't need to hear about every job, everything. This this is not the intention. Um, it's really I want to hear what projects they pick and why they're proud of them, why they're talking about them. Um, I want to hear how they're communicating it. I'm really listening mm -hmm. to their 
uh, synthesized summary of the project, um, looking for their how they took ownership or responsibility, how they talk about the involvement they had on that particular project, if they solve something in a creative way, if they looked at metrics, how are they defining success of that project? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm also very subtly looking for humbleness. So when they talk about the projects, are they saying I or we as a team? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Why is that important for you to have a humble person on the other side? What, what kind of experience did you have in the past that tells you, you know, like if, if this is like the, let's say this uh, managing control kind of guy who tries to say like, I'm on top of everything that doesn't work. Yeah. Why, I, why do you think this is important. It's it's a very important one for me, to be honest. Um, humbleness in, in so many different aspects, right? The, the fact that they are a team player, um, I think in this, past sort of motto of a product manager being the CEO of product um, could have resonated in a way that could make one feel they can really control every aspect of a product. And I'm not saying I've experienced this per se, but I I've witnessed some of this kind of mentality. Um, I, I really want somebody who's a team player. I think you have to be humble to be able to listen to what people are saying. And when I say people, I mean from stakeholders to the engineering team, to the design team, to the sales team, to the end customer, right? You, you have to be humble to listen and create meaning out of it. This is very important. I, I feel otherwise you, you kind of made your own decision on how you want to approach a particular solution and you just go for it. But you need to have that sense of kind of, I need to listen, I need to step back. And that really comes from a humble person. It's also, again, that we versus I mentality. Um, mm-hmm. A product manager cannot do everything on their own. If you find one, let me know. That would be amazing if they can product manage, design, develop, you know, but do everything. But they cannot. Um, and they often play the role, as I mentioned, this chameleon. They have to sit between so many different disciplines and mm-hmm. team members and decision makers. And they really need to have this we mentality because everybody has to get early buy-in on, on the approach or, or the problem we're trying to solve. Um, and that takes humbleness. It, it mm-hmm. takes really stepping back and knowing I'm driving this, but there are 10 other people on the bus with me. I, I I really I really love that you um, un- un- uncovered this one more or less. This kind of like humbleness and, and uh, the possibility, the ability to listen, actually in a in a in a product management role. Because I think that um, we're talking about you know like customer centricity and research and understanding and whatever. And I think you can understand way better if you listen rather than if you talk, right? And uh, that's super interesting. All right, cool. Let's jump. Let, let's imagine now I've answered that questions and I've did a good job here. And I told you a little bit how I communicate and told you a little bit how, how I more or less, you know, like think and how I react to situations and also be a little bit humble and at least show the capabilities to, to be, I think you mentioned a chameleon, which is a very nice analogy. Um, how does it then proceed? What kind of like additional questions do you ask? So at this stage, I'm, I would probably be looking for their aspiration now that I they've sold me on their communication style, their humbleness, their their responsibility, ownership. I feel the projects they've worked on would bring value to to our business needs. 
I'm, I'm really looking for aspiration. Why do they want this job? <laughs> you know what? And where do they want to be two years from now, five years from now? Um, I don't ask it so directly, like, where do you see yourself five years from now? But rather, um, once you join any line, what what would you do? What How would you find out more information about what we're working on? And I'm really looking for how they uncover information, what their aspiration is. I, I do ask the where do you see yourself in, in a year from now? Or what role do you want to play in a company a year from now? Um, this, this gives me a sense of if they are truly one of these product strategy people, or if they have an aspiration of becoming more of a leader. Um, but this is very helpful for me to understand their personal goals and their sort of mentality in approaching the company. Mm-hmm. So this is a lot about um, culture. Yes. And being part of the team rather than to be, a, let's say, ego-driven guy that's just like trying to look for the next promotion or, or what, what is it what you're looking for there? So it's more um, a, at the size of our company at any line, 70 plus people. Um, I'm not looking for like a team lead that just wants to kind of organize people. I'm really looking for somebody who can um, help me solve problems, like really roll up their sleeves. So I'm personally looking for this. I'm not going to say no to somebody who says they want to be a team lead in a year. That's that's not what I'm saying. But rather, is there an aspiration to solve? Are they passionate about solving everyday product problems or user problems? And if so, then this is a big green check for me. Um, I want to hear that passion about product. I want to hear that passion about solving everyday problems. So that's more of what I'm looking for rather than I want to, you know, go up in the hierarchy in the company very quickly or something like that, which is also a fantastic aspiration to have. But um, yeah, based on the needs we have, it's it's often like, can they roll up their sleeves and be uh, a part of our team? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. It's the question of like, am I talking about me or am I talking about us again, right? Exactly, exactly. Yes, it comes back down to that. Bit. It comes back to, to this one as well, right? Uh, <laughs> super interesting. Yeah. Um, all right, so um, what, what next? So next, I would probably... <laughs> what next if I'm, I'm able to ask, like, very, st- like, like structured down. All right, so let's say I made a good job and the aspiration yeah. was going to well, be the next thing. We're probably 20 minutes into the chat now or so, I would say. So I would... The next question would actually be, what questions do you have for me? <laughs> I want to... I want to see that they've done their research. I want to see, um, yeah, if they're asking me about the a bit more about the team size or the team organizational structure, about uh, our development processes, whatever it might be. I would really be interested to hear what they're curious about. This is also very, very interesting. Do you have like an answer that you really like when someone says that? I mean, like the standard question is like, how are you organized? Of course, this makes sense. Did you have any like example in the past that pops into your mind where you say like, wow, this was a this was a very good question? Yeah, th- there are some I think that often uh, I find highlights uh, a good type of question to ask. One might be, um, you know, what's bothering you or the business right now? What problem are you guys trying to solve right now? It shows a, a keen interest in, in what we're tackling at the moment. Um, I also like the what are your goals for the rest of this quarter? Um, it shows that they're, again, interested and they're trying to see if they fit. Could they help 
solve these goals, right? Or could they help uh, contribute to these efforts? Um, another one is about what is your uh, development process? Um, I think there's just so many different processes out there. And I, um, I find it quite important because we use really uh, a multivariate development process based on the product. So I'm, I'm very curious to, to hear that question because it also shows, it immediately shows they know development processes, <laughs> product development processes. It shows that they probably have a good understanding of Agile. Maybe they've worked in Scrum or whatever it might be, um, but they're curious to know what our structure is. So, so that's also a really good question. Um, yeah, those, those, those are probably the key ones. Yeah, and, and it's probably like also very, very, I really also like that question. So if you have want to would have asked me, I'm probably going to say the same um, to give them a realistic image of how the job of a product manager can look like. And I think this is also one question that I would, if it comes to that situation, would ask as well as, you know, like, what is the, I think it shows the empowerment of the product team then in itself, like, like based on the problems that you're facing right now, it like totally gives you a deep dive into the issues and the probable next step that's going to happen. All right. Um, are we now done then with the interview or is there something um, that you're still going to look for? So if I have some doubts, like, you know, the 80-20 effect, if I feel 80% they're, they're good, I would probably end the interview there and say, um, okay, uh, here's the rest of the process. And the next stage would be a task, but you would hear back from me in a week or two. Um, and just kind of explain to them the next steps. Um, if I'm still feeling like they could be good, but I'm not 100% sure, I do tackle a bit more of the hard skill questions um, just to kind of understand, um, do they understand some research methodologies, whether qualitative or quantitative? How would they potentially understand discovery phases of product strategy? Do they know what a competition analysis is? Um, maybe touching a little bit on their, do they understand design best practices? It, it really depends. It varies. If I, if I am not satisfied in the first like 25, 30 minutes, then I would probably ask a few of those. Other than that, I try to keep this first round pretty casual. Um, I just really want us to get a good synergy going. So, so that's, yeah, it varies. Yeah, you, you really want to know that person that you're going to work with rather than having someone who's showing you that he's a smart guy, right? Exactly. exactly. I, I probably have like three, four questions in that first round, to be honest. And I want the rest of it to be a very organic, yeah. natural conversation between us. Yeah, yeah. I can totally. This also like somehow relates to this kind of humbleness, right? To to to, to listen rather than to to talk. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really interesting to see how this kind of things comes together. All right. So, um, how many people actually survive that first <laughs> second, first round? Um, survive is a harsh word. <laughs> no, this is like a harsh word. Just like, <laughs> but how how many actually? How many people actually going? Um, going to the sex, second round? It's a great question. So, I mean, even the the, the pre-first round is even the, the resume review, right? Just even kind of looking through those resumes. I think from, don't quote me on the numbers, from when I last looked, it was about, um, I would say, 20% make it from even the, inter the CV stage to the first round, 20, 25%. Um, from the from that chunk, um, I would say about oof, about 
40% probably make it to the second round. Um, so a little less than half would make it to the second round. And then it gets very <laughs> tough, especially depending on how many hiring tickets I have. Um, okay. It varies, but yeah. Is there a recurring pattern where you see this is something where most people struggle with the most? In in the interview process or in general? Yeah, no, no, no. In this kind of like first round in the get to know session. Yeah, I I mentioned it earlier, but I think for me, maybe it's a pet peeve of mine, but this regurgitating of CV, this is probably my biggest pet peeve because it also is a very important skill set of a product manager. You should already know what you've done in the last 10 years. And I've already read your resume. Um, I, I just really want to hear, again, very nice explanations or stories about their experience. And I think for me, this is often a, a very important thing. This is um, often even a deal breaker, I would say. If, if in the first 10, 15 minutes, they're just talking, <laughs> I sometimes even have to interrupt them and, and say, okay, let's, let me ask different types of questions. So, um, yeah, that's probably the, the part that I've seen people drop out of the interview process quicker than I would uh, presume. Um, there's another aspect, which is just uh, product management as a, as a position and a title and a role has many different interpretations, I think, based on the company. And maybe there's a misunderstanding of a product manager role. Maybe they've just been a program manager or project manager. Um, maybe they haven't worked in the tech environment, but they did really physical products. So there's some disconnect sometimes, which also come clear in the first minutes of the interview. Yeah, I think this is also something very important for the audience to understand that if they get a no, um, it doesn't need to be a no to that person. Right. So sometimes I even redacted people who were very good, right? So mm -hmm. so you know like had an amazing call in the first session. Um, but for example, I rejected them because I somehow felt that I was talking to a person that I already had in my team. Mm -hmm. He had exactly the same mental model. It's the same approach. He was just like really, it could have been me or one of the team members who's been in that one. And, and yeah. like probably something that I'd like to add always is, you know, looking for someone who is bringing up a new mental model that is bringing us as a team out of our comfort zone in order to challenge us and to make us better as a team. I so I would hire five mini-meets or whatever. <laughs> we probably be super happy with each other, but we're yeah. probably not going to develop those. So this is like the underlying idea behind that one. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I'm, I'm looking for somebody who would challenge our status quo. I'm looking for somebody who would fit in very well, but would help us think in a different way that would um, challenge our mental model. Exactly. I'm, I totally agree with you there. All right, let's jump to the next part, the second task interview. Yes. So All right. So, um, I mean, you mentioned that you have a task. Um, you have a realistic task. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not sure if you can share it now, but do you have something that, you know, like, can you give us a case? Sure, sure. So it changes. Uh, I really like to pick 
something that I'm working on or will work on soon. Mm -hmm. And I usually like to convert that into a simple task. And as much as I like theoretical questions and conceptual questions for the task, I prefer to really share something. um, Maybe it's not exactly what we're doing, but maybe something comparable just to see how they would tackle it. Again, this is, this goes back to your previous comment, but it really lets me see if they're also challenging our mental model. If they come up with exactly what we already know, great. It doesn't mean they're a bad candidate, but if they say something we've never heard or if we haven't thought of yet, I love it. This already shows to me that they're going to add great value to the team. So for example, it might be a task of adding a new feature or coming up with a new type of subscription model or pricing strategy, or it could literally just be redesign the, f- the first screen of the app. Um, or how would you re-architect or how would you approach, um, you know, making a certain scanning solution more prominent on the, mm-hmm. on the first screen? Just, just one question, just in order to get, to get it fully right. Do you, like you said that the task is, it's changing over time. Do you also shape the tasks toward the skill set of the candidate? No, that's a good question. I don't, because at the end of the day, the task that I have to, the, the problem that I'm trying to solve in, in real life is not going to change based on that person's skill set. Um, my questions I ask once they describe their task might change. So if it's a person who comes more from an engineering background, I might test them on their design best practices space. If it's somebody who's coming from more of a UX background, I might challenge them on their road mapping or planning or timeline skills, for example. So um, the task, once I've set the task for that interview period, it stays the same. That way I can also compare better um, how the, the candidates are responding. Okay, but you're still balancing this one out, you know, like, I mean, probably like asking some technical questions to a former developer is probably not going to be, yeah, getting enough information or not having that much of a information density, right? And so so you want to balance that one out. All right, so, um, so how does this case look like? So you say... Do you give them a broad direction? Do you give them like very specific questions that they can answer? Like like how maybe you can make even make an example. Sure, sure. So it might be, for example, our AnyLine OCR demo app that's in the app stores. Uh, we want to change the architecture of the nav bar, for example. So the bottom nav um, is not working as we want. So what would be your recommendation of a new structure for the bottom navigation? So I would kind of paint the scenario of what we're trying to do. I would give some information on why we're trying to do it. We realize maybe that it's a lot of real estate that's being used more for leads rather than um, maybe using the product itself, for example. Uh, And then I would give them some guiding questions. So just to get them thinking in the right way, what are the... What are the things that you would look at? How would you make your decision around these? Um, What would your approach to it be? And then I would usually just ask for a written two to three slides or a a page, however they want, whichever format they prefer um, to come back with how they would respond to that, that task. Super interesting. And, um, so they, um, how long do they get in order to, to solve their questions? Like, 
is it, is it on site or is it something that they get at home? So some kind of like homework? Yes, um, it's homework. So I usually give about a week um, for the candidate to do it, even as little as three days, because I don't want them to completely redesign the app or something. I just really want to hear their approach and I want to hear that they've done their research and that they're thinking about the task in the right way. Um, so about a week and maximum, I would say. And um, they would then come physically presented or through a video conference uh, presented to me, plus a few other team members. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, what do you get out of these questions? I mean, that like I can imagine that candidate then you know like has its presentation. It's going coming to you. It's having you know um, a pitch probably as well. What you what are you going to find out? But but what is something that you read between the lines there? And and what what do you look for? What is something that we're say like, oh that's good. Yeah. Or where you're like, ah, you could have done better. Like, yeah, it's so there's so many little things that influence, right? There's so many small cues and, and things that influence sort of the whole setting of that second round interview. Um, some candidates send the task beforehand, which I love, <laughs> I have to say, because it gives me a chance to look at it before um, and already be able to prepare some questions. Um, but It, it's okay if they don't. It's also fine if they prefer to just share it when they have the interview. Um, what I'm, I'm really looking for, again, is not did they solve the bottom nav problem in the right way, uh, but it's more how did they approach it? Did they, I have a couple kind of checklists that I have. Did they talk about competition analysis? Did they say that they would um, look at competitor apps to see how they tackled it? Did I hear them talk about native solutions? Did I hear them say that they would talk to engineers to get a bit more information? Did I hear them say they would double check it with marketing or branding to make sure that it's aligned? Um, how would they work with the product designer? Um, I'm really kind of listening for their process and who they would talk to. Um, and once they sort of present that, I'm asking questions and I'm, I'm giving feedback as well. I, in every interview in the second round, I tried to give at least one piece of feedback uh, just to see how they respond to it, how they react to it. Um, it's also important for me because not every project just is, is 100% sealed off and has a green light once it's presented. So it's a bit of a real, real time scenario in that perspective. Um, And of course, I've already talked to this person for 30 to 45 minutes. So the other team members in the room with me, I really give them an opportunity to ask more questions from their perspective as well. Um, yeah, and, and that's really how it goes. It, it varies from candidate to candidate. The task, as I mentioned, doesn't, but this part of the interview tends to um, change. For example, in a second round, I've even asked somebody to get up and draw on a whiteboard how they would approach a particular thing, for example, just to see on the job how they would tackle something as well. So it could really vary. That's super, super interesting. Um, and then afterwards, you probably have a very, very good feeling. So the next interview round done is about getting to know the team, right? Exactly. So we do a debrief mm -hmm. and I pretty much have confirmed also if the other team members agree 
then I moved the final candidates to the last round interview, which is with a few more team members that they would peripherally work with, maybe not every day, but maybe in the first couple of projects or so. And that's really more of a casual interview. It's short. It's really about team fit. And I don't want to be the sole person making a decision because this chameleon role will work with so many people in the company, not just me. So it's very important for me to get that feedback from other team members as well. Mm -hmm. All right, cool. So ideally then... I've passed your interview process and hopefully I'm going to get to the job or at least we can go into a, <laughs> uh, the contracting phase, let's say, um, into that one. Um, do you have a favorite question? Like some questions where the answer from the candidates typically excites you to some, some kind of degree? Yeah, I, I, as I mentioned, I really try to go with the flow. I have my standard questions and checklists, but the one that really excites me is often when I ask them what they do outside of work. <laughs> so, because at this stage, I've, I've seen that they can do the job. I really like their responses. I like their approach, but I really want to get to know the person inside a bit. And I really like this question because you can see stars in their eyes sometimes. You can really see them passionately talking about um, whether it's skiing or art or hiking, whatever it might be. I really like to understand who that person is beyond work a little bit. And this is probably the question that excites me also the most, because you can really see if you have synergy with this person and how they'll work well with the team. Yeah. And this is also probably one of the, I can even say most relevant question because then you can see that person actually behaving in a normal environment, right? Without any like stress of that interview situation or trying to be professional or to be very smart and whatever, but rather how he, how he reacts. I really also love that, um, seeing how the people react to these kind of questions. All right. So um, there is another topic that I want to discuss with you. Okay. And you mentioned a couple of things And I also took some notes to, to give you then a summary of the different aspects. And, and I think this is something that is very interesting for that role. It's like multifaceted. You, you have a lot of things that you're going to look for in an interview. Um, but let me quickly explain you how I came to that question. Um, like currently we're doing um, a research on product managers. And we're just like asking them, you know, like, what do they do on a day-to-day -day job, uh, job basis? What do they struggle with? What are their advantages? Like, like, how do they actually do product management job? I know how I'm doing my job. I know how, how my team is doing his job. But I would wanted to love and understand, like, what, what they're actually doing. And um, something that I just, like, read quite often was that product manager, and let me give you just, like, one specific example. I would, would like to have your take on this one is, um, one thing that I'd like very often been confronted with is, for example, that product managers are doing QA, right? And um, the big question here is, first of all, would that be something that you would find in a job description, right? Um, and is it something that you challenge as well? Um, or to make it more abstract, um, I would say there's a lot of product managers who are doing the job fairly not in the core of product management. So my question here is, 
how much does the question that you ask also relate to the reality? And then the question, is that good? Or is it, you know, like, is it okay that there's a gap between these worlds? Or should it be something that is totally overlapping? What are, you, what are your thoughts on that one? Ooh. If the question makes sense to you. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense. Um, it's, a re- it's a really good question. I think um, this job is so adaptable. So just taking your QA example, um, I can't remember if it's in our job description, but it's a good point because for me, especially in our size company, we don't have a dedicated testing team, right? So everybody should test and the product manager should really take responsibility with the engineers to make sure before a release that everything works well. Um, But you're right. It's not maybe in the job job description, but it's an expectation. So I think by nature, product managers should understand that the world goes beyond the job description, right? Um, Again, the the size of the company has an impact on that. The, The way that the business strategy shifts or changes could have an effect on that. But I do believe the job description should paint a simple picture of the job and then the interview should give a a bit more color to the job. And once they join, they will see a little bit more of that that color (laughs) changing. Um, But it's a good question. I don't think I have a perfect answer for you. I think it should reflect the, the core expectations of the role, but it could change things, things change, roles change, people change, businesses change. So this person needs to really adapt to the, to the changes. Well, I think so too. So even if there's a discrepancy between these kind of two words, um, I think that even sometimes the, um, uh, let's say product organization is never a finally done thing. It's always in transition. It's always changing. And, uh, Developers over time, right? So um, the way you do product management changes a lot. Um, the way the organization sees product management changes a lot and hopefully de- develops into the right direction. And then, you know, like having some kind of like North Star in that job description might also be something where um, it shows the aspiration of where you want to go with that company and with that product team rather than to say like, okay, this is where we are right now. And I've seen a lot of product teams um, pushing for more, pushing for restructuring and changing the situation. I think it's even part of the job to, you know, like facilitate that change and to drive that change rather than to to say like, okay, I'm product manager, I'm going into my job description and this is a job that I'm going to do for the next five years. Um, I never saw a company that that, that is working that, that way. So this is why I think this could be super interesting as well too. Um, to outline a little bit where where, where um, the structure can can be in the future. All right, Razika, thank you very much. First of all, um, I would like to do a small recap of what we discussed and talked today about. Because I think it probably also helps us to to get an understanding. And feel free to add to this one. And and in parallel, I was just like writing down the the the, the core skills, maybe hard skills, soft skills that you should see within the power management role. Um, So just like, let me go through the list quickly. So we've been talking about communicational skills. Um, We're talking about like mental models, how a product manager approaches a problem from a UX perspective. Does he have success factors in mind, metrics? 
He should be humble. It's a very problem-solution-oriented mindset. It's about passion, um, passion for the job and passion for the user. Um, it's a dedicated curiosity towards unknown areas to different other stakeholders to their profession. It's out-of-the-box thinking, like trying to uncover problems or see problems from different angles. Um, it's a job where you need to balance out your personal skill set with uh, other things that you probably don't have in your own skill set. So I'm talking about, you know, like UX orientation versus um, business orientation versus technological thinking, where you need to balance out this kind of thing for yourself. Um, it's definitely a job where you need to structure down problems, make it into small problems uh, in order to be able to solve that one. Um, there's definitely some kind of like data drivenness proactiveness, um, stakeholder communication, and, you know, like bringing people together in terms of alignment, yeah. uh, presentational skills. Um, yeah. And probably even many more, but at least this is the, the, the list that I've taken out of the interview so far. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with everything you said. I think it's a really good summary. Yeah. One last thing that I want to discuss with you before we then close it finally is yeah. when we recap all these kind of skills and questions, I would love to talk about the balance between hard skills and soft skills. Mm -hmm. So if I would put a metric on top of that one, and I'm a little bit trying to be a little bit provocative here, <laughs> I can say it's going to be 90% soft skills, 10% hard skills. Mm -hmm. How much does, let's say, the checks of hard skills, and maybe we just like haven't talked about that one being part of your interview process. Mm -hmm. Ooh. Does he is that a person that should you know like um, be able to tell you okay this is this is just like how Scrum works and all edges this is how you do let's say create di grand diagrams and being able to calculate a critical pass this is something that should be able to you know like tell you exactly how a design sprint looks like and all details and whatever like how do you like value hard skills compared to the soft skills side. So for me, soft skills are harder to learn. Um, sure, we all can improve our communication skills. We can um, maybe learn how to be more humble, um, maybe change the way we own or take responsibility over things. Maybe we can be, quote unquote, more creative. But I, I really feel soft, skin, soft skills are really make the person who they are. And for me, this is more important than hard skills in that way, because hard skills are a bit more learned. Sure, you have to have the eagerness and the openness and the um, intelligence to learn some. Maybe some things are too complex, but in theory, somebody can learn what material design guidelines are or how to do a user interview or how to do a competition analysis. I feel these things are easier learned. So in that way, I would put much more emphasis on the soft skills. Do you want a percentage or is that good? <laughs> no, I mean like, um, <laughs> um, no, it's, it's something that I also made, made the experience. I mean, like in the beginning of my career, when I was interviewing product managers, I was very much focusing on the core elements and hard skills mm -hmm. um, and, and challenging them and very hard on that one. Yeah. Over time, I just like learned that 
as you mentioned, you know, like probably most of this kind of hard skills in the product management role can be learned within, let's say, two weeks, right? Exactly. Um, so if you want to know how to do a job to be done, you can take a book and read about it and um, try it out a couple of times, maybe internally with your colleagues and then apply it directly. Mm-hmm. So there's not that much, let's say, magic behind most of the principles. Mm-hmm. And I also figured out that even a um, methodology agnostics here, if you can call it that, that one is very helpful because ideally you're going to pull off the right methodology for the right situation. Yeah. So uh, in some situations, a design sprint might might be the right approach. In mm-hmm. other situations, a, let's say, design thinking approach with a slightly different might be the better approach. Mm-hmm. And I'm not giving a lot on hard skills, mm-hmm. um, except of one hard skill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is um, technical skills. Um, and if I have someone in an interview that doesn't have a solid technical background, mm-hmm. I challenge him very hard on the um, on his, let's say, mindset of being able to think through details. And I still remember one of the mm-hmm. one of the colleagues that I had. Um, he was in another team and wanted to transition, and I just like I I made it really really hard for him. But in the end, he he didn't have a technical background, mm-hmm. like you know, interest in that one. Okay, this is like number one, but in the end. Um, uh, it took him quite a while and, and in the end he convinced me and I'm super happy that I just like overcome this kind of hard principle here <laughs> um, that um, that this is something that it's very very hard to reproduce sure absolutely yeah. and yeah but this is just like one of the one of the few hard skills where I'm really looking at yeah and the rest I think that I can I can teach the people right I mean like if I know how to do it then probably they will learn it as well. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, it might also vary company to company. At any line, we have such strong engineers. Um, so I'm very confident our technical skills are, are very good. Um, but it's more the product strategy and product skills that are a bit lacking, right? So in that context, um, I think I've paid, a, of course, they have to understand how the technical team works and um, you know, we're a tech company at the end of the day. So they have to have a basic understanding of languages and stuff like that. But um, I think it also in a, in a way varies, but you make a good point. That's also probably harder to learn. Exactly. You know, like in, in the end, I mean, what I'm looking for, I mean, like I'm just like looking for someone who sees things and can figure out if there's a complexity behind that one. Uh, whatever problem or solution he's going to create in order to, to, to just like make sure that he's not doing that much errors. And, and this is like, maybe again, like back transferring back again to a technical or like some kind of like a mindset rather than, than a hard skill again. So probably we're going to be fine with this kind of ratio. <laughs> All right, cool. Razika, it was a great pleasure to talk to you. Um, I hope for you um, listeners, we've been able to tell you a little bit more what we're looking for um, how to structure and, and shape an interview process. And we'd be very happy to get your feedback. So you can reach us on um, probably on LinkedIn. Uh, both of our names are probably very, um, like, let's say, Google friendly. <laughs> <laughs> um, or feel free to approach us through the current like like social media channels. We're happy to discuss that one and get your insights on that one as well. So we're also happy to learn. And even if we're doing it for quite some years, Uh, We're still learning and, and we want to keep up with that one. Thank you very much. Super. Thank you so much for having me.
We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating.